day. And thanks for checking in on the latest on what's going on at Journey Church. Our prayer is that today's teaching will inspire you and ultimately draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus. So no matter what you're doing, relax and enjoy this next message. So I want to just uh, briefly remind us, uh, you know, us as a church, you know, there's a couple of reasons. There's actually three reasons why Jesus came, but a lot of the times we only talk about the third one, right? So Jesus came first and foremost to debunk uh, misconceptions about who our Heavenly Father was. There was just this idea in the Old Testament that God was just a very angry person, that there was no relationship. You know, you begin to translate the word, you know, uh, Abba, and it just means dad. It means daddy. And, you know, and I, I love it when, when Jensen, my five-year-old, he says, daddy, you know, like, no matter what's going on, no matter how busy I am, like, if I get dad, it's just kind of like, hold on, buddy, hold on, buddy, I'll be right there. But when you get daddy, you're like, oh, okay, whatever I got going on, daddy's been dropped, you know, and like, daddy daddy and he's so excited and you know in, in growing up i always just had a, like, like a weird personification of like calling god daddy it just made me feel like less manly for some reason i don't know and the more i just begin to uh to initiate my relationship to engage to pursue i just re, re, reminded myself that he is in fact a wonderful dad he's a wonderful daddy who loves to take care of us and jesus came to show us who that was and then jesus also showed us how to love one another, right? There was no idea. The, the, the wrong reasons of how to love people was not there, and Pharisees and Sadducees were taking advantage of it, and they were taxing people, and they were telling people to do stupid stuff that you didn't have to do to know who God was, and then he came to be our substitute, right? And so we, we remember that, and we forget about that sometimes, but those are some amazing reasons why Jesus came to be with us, and there is a triumph a triumphant uh, entry that happens on Palm Sunday, and the, what the people thought were going, what was happening is incredibly different than what was actually happening. Jesus came for a reason, but the, everybody else kind of thought that he was just here to kind of like overthrow the Roman government. They just, they, they saw him as a messianic deliverer instead of our redeemer, and they're just like, awesome, this guy's going to come, he's going to come with an army, he's going to come with a huge army with a lot of people, he's going to stone cold the Roman government, we're going to be relieved, even the Pharisees and Sadducees in their own time behind closed doors were secretly rooting, like, can this guy actually relieve us from doing all of these things? And the question is, is that Jesus came with a different perspective, a different reason. So I wanted to talk about something that we use all the time, we say this word, but we really don't know what it means unless we find today that's beautiful, and that's hope. I want to introduce the word hope to you. Maybe you've heard that a long time. And what we do is, is we take the idea of hope and we use it incorrectly all the time. We say, well, I hope this happens. Well, okay, is that hope founded on Jesus Christ? Well, no, this really has nothing to Jesus. Okay, so you're maybe kind of wishing. You're kind of wishing that this happens, but you're not really hoping for it. Because if you're really hoping for something, you've actually spent quite a bit of deal in prayer and time on your hands and knees. You've been fasting, you've been reading, you've been learning, you've been reading, you've been reaching out to good, mature Christian friends. And you're saying, this is my current situation. Then and only then is it accurate to say, I hope that this happens. If it's the Lord's will, I hope and I pray that it is. But if you're not doing that, and you're, and you're walking around, you're saying, well, I hope I get this job promotion. Awesome. Have you spent any time in the Word on that? None whatsoever. Awesome. Have you spent any time in prayer? I really haven't. Have you talked to any good friends that are encouraging you to do the things that I haven't? Okay, so you're not really hoping for that job promotion. You're wishing that you're going to get this. And wishing is found on everything but Jesus. So we want to know the difference between hope and wishing today a little bit. Wishing, we don't really have to explain. It's everything that's not founded on Jesus, and hope is everything that is. So as you're going through this Easter, this Palm Sunday, if there's something in your life that you're really wanting, that you feel maybe like you're needing, but you haven't really hoped on it, I encourage you to really biblically and accurately begin to pursue 
that dream, that vision, maybe that God has given you, maybe you'll realize through the process that this isn't actually from God at all. It might have just been a moment where you were easily inspired. Is anyone really easily inspired? I'm super easily inspired. Like, I listen to podcasts, and I'm like, yeah, like, I'm going to run for president next year. And this is like, oh, wait. No, I'm not. Only because the election's not next year. I'm just kidding, right? Okay, so anyways, so it would, it would be silly to say I'm hoping for that. Well, I guarantee you that if I started pursuing maybe a presidential election, I, I believe with all my heart that the Spirit's going to be like, no. No, your, your time is here at Journey Church. Let's pursue the vision and the calling that Journey has put on your life uh, and so forth. So anyways, let's, let's do this a little bit. I want to define hope a little bit more intricately for you. Uh, a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen, okay? Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That's kind of how the world looks at it. But if it's not on Jesus, it's just going to end up turning into wishful thinking, right? So, and, and I, I want to re, remind you of something. I want to remind you of something. God's ultimate plan, whew, this hurts, this stings a little bit, because it kind of like takes the wind out of your sails a little bit, right? I learned today that I stink. No, that's not what you're going to leave here today. The ultimate plan for your life is for you to eventually go home to heaven. Okay, so we've been talking about apologetics a lot lately, and we were kind, we were, the, the last Sunday, we're talking about how could really a good and loving God rip you out of the Garden of Eden after making one single mistake? I mean, that doesn't really sound like love, does it? Doesn't, there's certainly, I mean, to us, it doesn't sound like there's any grace in that. There's no second chance in that, and we realize that by, 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 by sending them out and now making them mortal, eventually they would come back to ultimately perfection which is everlasting relationship and life with the Lord. And as they were banished, and you, we, we dug into that word a little bit, which really kind of means more of a scent, right? You realize that God was actually protecting them than banishing them. And ultimately, our goal here on this earth is to eventually be back with our Lord and Savior, to be back with the, our, our, our intelligent designer, to be back with our creator, because that is perfection. And sometimes we miss that here. We say, well, I didn't get what I wanted. Well, there's 6,500 to 7,000 promises in the Bible directly for anybody that believes in the name of Jesus Christ, and we're not all promised to get them here on earth, but we will all get them eventually in Attitude and your social media and your Facebook posts, would they say that person is shouting praise God, or would they say they're shouting praise themselves? This is how I think, this is how I feel, this is Facebook, this is my social media, I'm just going to let it all hang out there. Once, and you can delete a post, but not really. Do you know that? If you put it out there, I'll find it. I can find anything. That delete button does not exist. Praise God, they shouted. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Those are big words. We could do a whole teaching on those, on, 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 on those two verses, or that, that verse right there. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it. All right, because he's fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming. Are you looking today? Sometimes with this world, it can get loud. I hope, hopefully everybody has a stress reliever that turns the volume down in your life just a little bit. No matter how bad things get, I know that I can go to any gym and lift, and I will be sane enough to speak to my family when I get back. But our, our, when, when volume gets so loud in our lives, can we turn it down? Can because if you sit 
and you stew over something, and you stew over something, you, and, and that, that seed of just bitterness begins to grow and swell and dwell inside when it's all said and done. But do you have anything that you can just channel that through? Because if you don't, you're going to miss your king coming. Jesus asks us to always be ready for the next thing. And if we're too caught up in ourselves, we'll miss it. I guarantee you. And there's nothing worse than missing opportunity. The missing opportunity, it reminds me of a story. There was, um, you know, they had a lot of Greek gods and a lot of Greek statues, and there was one called Opportunity. There was actually um, uh, a statue called Opportunity, and, it, and the statue was bold in the back, and the hair was forward because you can't grab Opportunity from behind. And if you miss what God is doing in your life, if you miss what God is doing in your church, if you miss what God is doing in your community, if you miss what God is doing in your spouse and your children, if you miss what God is doing, you will not be effectively able to say, praise God, because you know, or that your king is coming, because you might just miss him. This is what hope looks like. The next day, Jesus is on his way, and we shouted, praise God, to not be afraid, because our king is coming. I want that to be your prayer moving forward. I want that to be your lifestyle. That's my prayer. That's my hope on Jesus, is that you would receive that today, that your king is, in fact, coming. And sometimes we have a, we have a tendency to, to, to be distracted, right? When people heard that Jesus was coming, they did what you do when kings come through. You lay down garments, you lay down whatever you can. They took palm branches, you know, that's just like a, a way of just saying, like, here comes somebody really important, right? We have a tendency, the way that the, that the, that the Romans do, that the, the, that the people, is we say, oh, hey, here comes an opportunity. I think Jesus might be behind it, so we're going to do everything as long as it's according to our plan and the way we want to do it and the way that we're feeling. We're going we're to say, you know, Jesus, this is, this is your path. This is my life. This is your road. I'm totally down for it. And then the moment that he kind of says something different, we take it up real fast and we say, I don't want anything to do with you. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would do it this way. And Jesus says, I have never once, ever, ever communicated that message to anybody. That if I love you, I'll do it the way you want it to be done. The way you want it to be done in the time you want it to see happening. And I do that sometimes. Don't you do that sometimes? It's like, listen, I'm going to give this huge mess. I'm going to give it to Jesus. And he's got to like Tuesday at noon to figure it out. Because come Tuesday at 1, I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to take this job opportunity. I'm going to call that person. I'm going to straighten them out. Jesus has to want. And, and, and it doesn't happen like that. We can't hold our palm branches and then take them away. Just, or, or, or to take them away, just, that's, a, that's a sign of, of first trouble and walk away from Jesus. So often it breaks my heart. Opposition comes into our life and you have two decisions. You'll always have two decisions. You'll only have two decisions to either run towards Jesus or you'll run away. You'll either walk towards Jesus or you will walk away. How could this happen? It's okay to be angry. It's called a righteous anger. Job was very upset. He had a really good reason to. Everybody's dead, right? Everything is gone. Bank account's gone. Everything's gone. And he's just like, how could this happen? And then, and then God steps in and says, hey, listen, I hear you. I, I, I understand you. And where were you when I created the world? And he's like, oh, I wasn't here. He's like, just remember that. At the end of the day, I know. I know. And sometimes we do that. How could this happen? How could this happen? Let me give you a crash course on Palm Sunday real quickly, okay? This is one week before the crucifixion. 
right? This is one of the few stories that's recorded in all four Gospels. Very cool thing there. Jesus rode, into the, rode to the temple where he taught the people. He healed the people. He drove out gambling people, right? All the things that Pharisees and Sadducees and the, and, and the people wanted to do that didn't think they could be done on the Sabbath. Jesus comes in and does that. He's fulfilling prophecies like we see in Zechariah 9. He tells his disciples, this is crazy. We could do a whole new sermon on this. He tells his disciples for the first time, up to now, I've asked you to keep your mouth shut about what we're doing. Not to be in silence, but when I heal someone, hey, keep that to yourself. Because if we let them go, they're going to beat us to the next town. They're going to beat us to the next city. And they're going to be waiting for us. And we still have work to do. So keep this testament to yourself. Keep this healing to yourself. Right Now, he'd go to cities, and it, it, was, it was impossible for the word not to get out. But he finally comes to his disciples and say, hey, listen, you can pray to me openly. Right? Seven days out, before it all, it, it's all going to go down, he says, one week before... I give you permission. Do what you want to do. You want to praise me openly? Amen. You want to thank me? Let's do it. You want to tell everyone what's going on? Absolutely. Because this is it. This is it. We've been building all these several years to this moment. He says, you can, you can praise me openly. We see that in Matthew 12, 16, and Luke 12. They laid palm branches and clothing down. That's how you receive the king. But they, received, they did not receive him as a savior. And I want you to hear me on this, okay? Because we have a tendency to do this too. Sometimes we do not re re receive Jesus as our savior as our redeemer from sins we receive him as the messianic deliverer which means just take me away from my current problems right now okay and that's what's happening here they're like hey hosanna which translates save us now and you could go on to say from our oppressors who are the romans save me now Taxes are too high. People are too mean. We're in slavery. We're in bondage. We can't do anything. We have no say. Politics is completely corrupt. Nothing's that changed since that time. And sometimes we say, oh, Jesus, Hosanna, save me now from the mortgage. Save me now from this person at work. Save me now from this. Save me. Only save me now because this is what I need right now in my life. And he doesn't do that. He didn't do that. Now, he can, and he loves you, and he will with the right heart and the right reason. And that's not what they were doing. They're just saying, save me from our problems right now. There's prophecies. You're the Messiah. I get it. I accept that. I confess that. But deliver me from my problems, not be my Savior. We talked a couple weeks ago about the difference between being a Lord and Savior, right? Lord means that he's supreme ruler of all, and he's either Lord of your life or he's Lord of none of your life. You can't wake up one day and just choose. Today you'll be Lord of my finances, but you're certainly not Lord of my marriage. You might be Lord of that promotion that I'm going to get, but you cannot be Lord of my parenting. You know that time when you wake up, you're just mad. You don't know why. You're mad because you had a dream about your spouse, and you get up and you start yelling at your spouse, and she's like, what are you yelling about? You're just like, well, this is what you did to me in my dream. And she's like, what are you talking about, right? That happens. You know, we, we, just, we just wake up sometimes, and we just decide that, like, this is how it's going to be. And, Lord, you're going to be Lord of my life in some places, but not Lord of my life in others. God, how could you do this to my finances? You haven't been Lord of it up to this point. I haven't given. I've kept it all for myself, but now I need you to bail me out. Lord, I decided not to love my family. Everyone's got that uncle, right? The one that you just regret seeing at Thanksgiving. No? Dude, that means you're the person. Did you know that? If you didn't raise your hand right now, that's because it's you. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is the Lord of your life or he's Lord of none of it. Ugh. It's hard to hear that because I'm so guilty. I'm so guilty of that. He's Lord of my life or he's not. He's my Lord and my Savior. 
I, don't, I mean, he is my Messiah. He is my deliverer. But I say Lord and Savior. I don't say Lord, Savior, Messianic, deliverer. Just because, like, he's all of that. When you say Savior, he's, he, that, that, that's everything. Lord and Savior. Okay. A triumphant entry. I want to give you four things today, very briefly. Because the kids are going to join us here right in the front as we baptize. I want to give you four things today about who you are in Jesus Christ when it comes to knowing about hope. And these four things will be a pillar, it'll be a guideline to your life, and this is how you can check yourself as you are living in this journey and in this world. Before I tell you this, which is not uncommon for me to say something right before I tell you that I'm going to say something, okay, maybe you're here today and you're just like, just too much time's gone by, I've dropped the ball too much, I've ruined too much, and I just don't really think I can do what God's called me to do. That's a lie from the pit of hell, okay? If you're alive, God's not done with you. I don't care your age. I don't care where you've been, and neither does Jesus. All he wants to do is restore hope back into your life for a promise of a new, fresh beginning, a new day. Palm Sunday, they didn't get it, but we do. We get it. We know what's really going on. Because we have the word that is perfect in every sense of the way. God is not done with you. Maybe you feel like you've been off the wrong track. That's okay. Come on back. There's still time. Maybe you've dropped the ball too much. That's okay. Come on back. There's still time. Maybe you're the worst parent and spouse in the world. That's okay. Come on back. There's still time. And I want you to know this. Know that you're called today. Maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what, you, church, Jesus, I have a reason why I'm here. It wasn't willing. That's okay. I want you to know today, sitting in these chairs, you are called. I don't believe in Jesus. That's okay. You're still called. You're still called. You still have a purpose, but you're not going to find it until you find Jesus. And Jesus is not hard to find. He's here right now with you and will be with you. If you'll simply just confess with your mouth that he's amazing, and he's the savior, and the ruler of the world, the creator, the intelligent designer, and for those of us that have accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you are called. Know that you are called. Know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a plan for you in your life, and you can do it with him, and you cannot do it without him. So often we try to do life without Jesus. Right? He's Lord sometimes. He's Lord other times. Sometimes he's not Lord at all, right? And in those moments where we're like, I can do this. Jesus has till one. Remind yourself that you are called. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 3, New Living Translation. I love Paul. Paul says, I know that I know that I know I am called. This letter, right? Not the book. This letter is from Paul. Chosen by the will of God to be an apostle case that means student right to continue to learn to be submissive to jesus of christ jesus and from our brothers and sosimus i'm writing to god's church in corinth to you who have been called there it is again by god to be his own holy people he made you holy by means of christ jesus just as he did for all people everywhere who call in the name of the lord jesus christ their lord and ours May God our Father and the Jesus Christ 
give you grace and peace. For everybody. There's going to be denominations within the Christian faith that are going to try to convince you that some people are called and some are not. That's not true. The reason that's not true is because the Bible doesn't say it. And the place that they think that it does, they don't understand the culture, they don't understand the lingo, they don't understand the author, they don't understand who's being written to or written by, they understand nothing. I want you to know today that everybody, everybody, has the ability and the opportunity to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you're called for more. When you introduce, when, when you introduce Jesus to yourself, you then have purpose, direction. So often we are looking for fulfillment. And I said, do you know who you are in Christ? And he just kind of looked at me, he's just like, why would you ask that? Because I'm thinking to myself, I don't think you do. I don't think you know who you are in Christ. Because if you're, first of all, your job will not fulfill you. The money that you make or you don't make will not fulfill you. You will be fulfilled by Jesus first. I tell single people all the time who are trying to go to, to be a missionary or going into ministry, right? And they say, oh, you know, I, I got out of college, and of course they're saying I got to get married. I can't, can't have a ministry without a husband, and I certainly can't have a ministry without a wife because who else is going to play the piano, right? And I say to myself, and I tell them, I say, you are who you are in Jesus first. I said, and if, and if, and if God has presented a spouse for you to compliment you, to encourage you, to love you, through the terrors and the horrors and the hell of this world, I said, then that's amazing. I said, but you are fulfilled in who you are in Jesus first. First. And you'll understand that if you know that you're called and you know who you are. Here's the second thing. Be in a place to hear your calling. Be in a place, a lifestyle, a normal place. Be in a place in your life where you can hear the Holy Spirit speak when he decides to speak to you. Sometimes we get really busy in life. Ooh, we get busy. I, I get busy. I know you get busy. And there's times I have to slow down and I just say, I don't know the right decision. And I think about myself, when's the last time I got on my hands and knees and I fasted for a decision from the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Because I've never gone into a situation where I needed an answer from Jesus and he never gave, and never not gave me one. Now the answer may be no, but at least that's an answer. How often are we just going through life and we're doing this, we're doing this just to keep up with status quo, just to keep up with this, just to keep up with that, we're just paying money. I mean, it was, yesterday was nuts. I mean, we got like t-ball, we got soccer, we're just running. I'm just like literally opening up the door and taking gents. I'm just like, get them, go get them. You know, and you park and then you pull them back and you're like, no, we're going here, you know. Ah, you know. And how often, you know, I don't want Jensen to realize and just be like, I have to be everywhere. I've got to have every uniform. I've got to have every hat. Because I want to be able to look at Jensen one day and just say, hey, listen, buddy, how's your relationship with Jesus? And I don't want him to look at me and be like, what does that mean? And if we don't know who we are, if we don't know that we're called, and we're not in a place to hear his calling, to hear his voice, we will, again, miss. And if you're looking for hope today, you'll miss hope. And you may need it more now than ever. And Samuel, 1 Samuel, and Samuel was sleeping and the tabernacle. I like that. He liked church. He was in church. He was dedicated to four. We fast forward almost 10 years, not quite, near the Ark of the Covenant. Suddenly, the Lord called out Samuel. Samuel. What if Jesus was calling out your name today? 
that said it that softly. Could, would you be able to hear him? Would you? Or, or is that one person who's really mad at you, screaming so loudly that you miss the anointing and the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you too concerned about what's coming? Things that are out of your control and out of your hands, that you, but you're trying to work through it. You know, because if because if you're not in control, then you don't feel at peace, right? Are there things in our life where the volume is up so high that we're going to miss? Are we have we lost faith in a couple things? Are we not committed? Are we not bearing fruit anymore? Are we so much wrapped up in this world that we're missing the calling? I want to tell you. I want you to be very secure in your calling when you know who you are, when you know who you are. And you're in a place, you have a lifestyle, you have a routine of knowing that if Jesus calls on you, that you in fact would hear him, better that you would pursue the calling. There's a lot of times where the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. There's a place, there has to be a place in your life where that if Jesus speaks, more importantly, not only are you going to hear him, but you're going to pursue him. Would you know to pursue Jesus? When would you know? Be secure in your calling. 1 Samuel 3.10. And the Lord came and called us before. Samuel, Samuel. Think about this in your own words. Think about your name being called. Person, person. And Samuel replied, speak. Your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Listen, if you can't hear the anointing and the voice of Jesus or the Holy Spirit, then he can't do something shocking in your life. God wants to do something amazing, intentionally, and specific for you. And if you can't hear him because you're in an odd place where the volume's turned up and you don't know who you are and you don't even know that you're called, then God can't do something shocking. You will literally shut down the will of God if you miss what he's doing in your life. So whatever is going on in your life, take a moment and breathe. And say, Lord, I've got everything. You're amazing. And maybe, just maybe, I haven't been listening because I've been very busy with myself. Here's the last thing that I want to share with you before we baptize. And this, and, and, and this is very important. I wouldn't say it's the most important, but this last thing will completely set you off course if you don't know it. So you know that you're called, right? You've got to be in a place where you can hear the calling. But know that your calling may change. Your belief in Jesus will not. The Holy Spirit still loves you. That will not change. Everything that God has ever promised you will not change. But your calling may change. There have been times in my life where I feel like the carpet has been ripped out from underneath my feet. And I was on course, I was on point, I was ready to do what I thought God wanted me to do, and all of a sudden, the opportunity is gone. And I thought to myself, then, and because I wasn't secure in who I was, I began to question myself, did I do something wrong? And then I, and, and, and then I start really thinking like, like a worldly, did I make God mad? Have I walked away? Does he not love me anymore? Because I thought, this was, I thought this was where he called me to go, and now I'm not there, and it's not there. This person's walked out. My job has walked out. I thought this was it. I thought this was the plan. And I'm telling you, be secure in knowing that your calling might change. If you don't know who you are in Christ, right, and if you're not secure in it, then when this happens, when your calling has a tendency to move or shift or change, and you don't know those things, you will think to yourself, that you've been out of the will of God for a long time, and really you may be exactly where God wants you to be. He may just be waiting 
patiently bringing you something beautiful around the corner.